Biff, what do you call discounted sushi? <sighs> Great. So now you're going to freaking incorporate my culture into your jokes? Great. Okay. Yeah. What do you call a discounted sushi, Jacques? A raw deal. Here's one really for me. Why did Batman cross a road? Why did Batman cross a road, Jacques? Tune in tomorrow at the same bat time, same bat place to find out. <laughs> Hello, true. Biff. How, how are you? Yeah, you know, I was better before those jokes, but sure. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you. So last week, uh, we, we posted our... Uh, favorite bass players and and drummers and i i it was so much fun doing that literally it was so much fun prepping for it and thinking about it and this week coming up or next week uh we're doing we're doing guitarists and singers um i also you know did a little homework for our keyboard players and triangle players if we want to get in there spoiler you know, alert that, and that, I, think, I think yeah I think that we need to consider keyboard players, but what's going to be the, you know, the next slot. So I think we have to think about that a little bit. So maybe that, you know, that's, that's going to be part of our uh, discussion in the future, but yeah, I think we definitely need to do keyboards, but what else? It's going to be all other instruments that are not the ones that we named earlier, or I've seen ones where they consider like rhythm guitarist as a different category. And then there's also just the, you know, the idea of just saying the you know, best you know musical group or you know entity right because you know we didn't look at it as a whole so you know so i think we have options there's other options yeah. um and while we're talking about music the music world lost a great drummer and a rock and roll icon this week uh the rolling stones charlie watt yeah, yeah um, absolutely yeah and it's funny because about two or three months ago, there was a picture that was circulating that was hysterical. That became a meme. It was, you know, the, the, all the guys from the Rolling Stones and it's it's typical Rolling Stone attire, you know, like a lot of like loud shirts and frills and and craziness. And um, and then there's Charlie Watts. Just dressed like a regular old 80 year old guy, <laughs> you know, I mean, just the regular like, you know, yeah. beige pants and a nice, a nice sensible windbreaker and the rest of the Rolling Stones all Rolling Stoned out. Um, I and mean, it, that's kind of their inside joke, right? I mean, because like I thought, you know, I'm not a big Rolling Stones guy, so I don't know for sure. But I, I had this impression that Charlie Watts was the guy that was considered to be the proper dresser in the band. So that was their, I figured that that's like their, you know, irony kind of a thing, right? You know, have the one guy who is always properly dressed, look like a slob kind of a thing. So, so, I mean, and it, it is, he was, when you just look at, he didn't make my list and he obviously didn't make your list, but when you just think of the stones, it's, it's just crazy. We're talking 60 years now that they've been out there just, you know, just, just, just killing it. And again, Every comedian makes a joke that when when a rock right. and roll legend yeah, dies, Keith, it's like yeah. right, yeah. Keith Richards, I'll lose everybody, right? I mean, it's like so, um, so we're recording this uh, on a Saturday instead of Friday because are you a fan of John Mulaney? Uh, you know, I like John Mulaney, but you know, I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of I I'm not a a super fan. I think he does great work, but I think there are people that I like better than John Mulaney. But I mean, yeah, he's I think he's fine. 
probably mine and my wife's collected favorite, like, okay. it, it, at yeah. least in both our top threes. And I mean, almost all time. The guy is great. Always polished, always looks amazing because I know he, he has he has a routine about why he always wears a suit right. that, that is funny. But last year was a tough year for him, like a lot of people. He's a recovering alcoholic and he went through rehab like 13 years ago for his alcoholism. Okay. Uh, well, last year, it turns out he wound up in rehab because he is a serious, hardcore drug user. Uh, and, and, and he's unfortunate. And, yeah. But, but he always you never knew. You know what I mean? He, he was always very collective. Uh, no, like seriously, nobody knew. He always came across yeah. like a really together, not yeah. a party or any of that stuff. It's funny because. I'm, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to think of the right way to put it. But anyways, he he went into rehab for a couple months and now he's back out and he has a new routine or, or, or he's putting together a new stand up tour and it's called uh, Starting Over. And he just broke the record. He's been in Boston. Twenty one shows in 16 days, all sold out in 11 minutes. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, and it's and so. Uh, my wife, like her best friend and her husband, the four of us were set to go. I wasn't really on board only because I'm still not up for being in crowded places. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing, right? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, You know, even with masks on, but I, I lamented and I said, okay, I'll do it. And so we went a week ago, last Friday, uh -huh. and my wife's friend couldn't go. So it was just the three of us, which worked out for me because we were in the back row against the wall which was perfect and it was her friend my wife me and then I got the empty seat next to me so I felt a little better not having to be you know have somebody right next to me and the show was all about his his um his intervention and dude I cannot wait for it to come out I mean it hurt how funny and how honest it was and yep. it, you know yep. 90 85, 80, 95 percent the same him, but a little I don't want to say darker, but honestly, like more soul bearing. And yeah. and so it's all about his really crazy drug stories and his intervention and how the intervention was put together and all of this stuff. So that was on Friday. On Tuesday, my wife calls me and says, her friend just called her and had, <laughs> oh, so her friend's husband couldn't go that Friday. Oh, so and so another return trip. So no, her friend and her husband went Saturday, the next day. Okay. And then on Tuesday, my wife called and said, Michelle just got her and I tickets. So I'm not going to come home. I'm going to go see John yeah. Mulaney. And I'm like, oh, so it's Michelle's third time in like three yeah. days. Yeah. And my wife's like second time in like three days or, you know, Right, right. And then on Thursday, my wife calls me and she's like, Michelle's friend, you know, might have a lead on some tickets. Do you want to go tonight? I'm like, no, I'm good. She goes, well, I might go. And they ended up not being able to get tickets on Thursday. And then she was then she called and said, if we get tickets tonight, I really, really want you to go. And I'm like, well, I got the podcast, but I'll see if Biff can move it. And then she then I, then you move it and thank you again for that. Then she couldn't get the tickets, but we had already decided we'd do it today. And then she did get them last minute. So my wife, <laughs> my wife, I I didn't go though, but my wife saw. Well, no, so, but good for her. Good for her. Well, yeah. the funny thing is, I said 
do her and her friend need an intervention about going and seeing this guy's listen, show you know about what? an intervention? I, I'll say this. Listen, like, like, so obviously I'm not going to go see John Mulaney three times or, you know, you know what? I, I actually, I should stop because I've done that before. Okay. But all I'm going to say is that, you know, all of us collectively had at least, you know, kind of a, at a minimum, right? 18 months of not being able to do, you know, what we wanted to do. So, you know what? You know, get out there and enjoy the time that you missed in the 18 months previous, right? I mean, yeah, go for oh, it. Oh, no. Right? And, I, and, and I, I, I'm right? just teasing her. I think it's great. Like, no, I, yeah, I absolutely 100%. I don't like to go. Like, honestly, next year we're supposed to go see Duran Duran one trip and Duran Duran, Duran Duran, one trip in London Duran and Duran. one trip in Ireland, separate trips. And then she's going to go to Vegas. I have no desire to go to the Vegas trip, but I've not been to Ireland and London. And it's funny because she was like, oh, if we go a couple of days early, the Pixies are playing in London. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And she's like, wait, but that's your favorite band. I'm like. Yeah, but I've seen him, and now I'm like, you know, it would be cool. Was Kim to see back him in the band? Is no. Kim even in the band? Right? She's no, not, she's right? she's she's not. And, and the she's person done, right? I mean, she's basically done. It seems like at this point, right? Oh, 100 percent. I, I right? if she, I'd be surprised. Maybe she does, and I mean it. Maybe she does yeah. a show with them for the 40th. But their new bass player has been with them for the last two albums right. and five yeah, it's years. Kind of a bummer. Right? I mean, you know, as much as I, I I rag on you for the Pixies, you know, I mean, I kind of get them, but well, you know, well, it, it, but is it is too bad when she's not there. Yeah, it isn't it. It is and it isn't. And, and I say it is because, yeah, original member and all that. However, the reason she left and even even, you know, Frank Black gets it. Obviously, she's a good enough songwriter to carry another band of note. You yeah, know, that, the was breed- the, that was the thing. I actually ran into them at the uh, in, at the uh, what do you call baggage claim uh, maybe five years back in LAX. It was actually. Uh, the deal sister. So I, I don't know what they were actually doing, but you know, I, I kind of saw them and, you know, I'm not one of, I'm not a huge, you know, fan. So I didn't, I kind of left them alone, but you know, but yeah, it was kind of weird, you know? So I guess she's doing these stuff with her sister again. Right. Yeah. It's my and, guess. And, and the breeders have put out a, like a half, you know, like three or four really great, great albums that have done incredibly well. And that's the thing. It's like to come back and, and, and sing lead on one song, Versus having your own, you know, it, it's it's just so it'd be great if she but honestly, she I don't want to say outgrew it, but yeah, she wanted to be a songwriter. He's a control guy. And but anyways, it, that is what it is. But I, yeah. you know, maybe back in the day, but I, I love the fact that she goes out. And if I was going to see a show a couple of times, it'd be there. And um, and it's just so funny that he picked Boston because he's from Chicago. But, of oh, you know, yeah. but of all places, but Boston is a comedy hub. It really, really is. And it's, yeah. it, well, you know, not giving any of his jokes away, but it is great when he, he starts talking about, you know, coming out of rehab and why he chose Boston. He goes, because I don't know if you know what the rest of the country <laughs> says about Boston. But it's a place for healing, you know. And everyone like just laughs and for healing. <laughs> well, um, it is a place for healing, but it's spelled with two e's, right? You, right. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Biff, I've had a busy couple of weeks since we've chatted. Kind of yeah. catching up on some of the summer movie picks that we had talked about. I've seen. I've, six- I've seen Jack Squat, but you know what? I will say this: I will see Black Widow, and I will see Suicide Squad. And I know Suicide Squad is something you want to talk about in a sec, but I will see those two because you know that's kind of a planned family viewing. Oh, good, and, good. Yeah, yeah. And then I think I'll see a few. You know, I will definitely try to seek out Summer of Soul. I I can't remember where it was on, but it's it's one of the streaming. Um, um, I think it's uh, Hulu. 
Hulu. Okay, so they so basically one of the guys that I don't subscribe to right now. So I have to kind of work all that stuff. But that's the one that I was re of the ones that we talked about. That's the one that I kind of care about the most. So aside yeah. from the Demon Slayer movie, the freaking anime movie, which I will see uh, probably with my son in the next. Uh, I'm think I'm hoping next weekend when, during the long weekend we'll be able to catch that. So we uh we so we, I won't talk about Suicide Squad. I saw that. I saw I actually went to the movie theater with my two little guys because I looked at the app and it was an 11 a.m. showing. Yeah, it, it's like, I don't know if they would have screened the movie if we didn't show up because we were the only. Movie. <laughs> it's like, oh, what are we, why are we here? Why are we here? Who's oh, my God, these people showed up. We got to still run this thing. All right, Honestly, they were like when we yeah. pulled into the parking lot, it's a big. 14 you know screen place and right, my, right, right. my oldest guy like took a picture looking from the door out to the parking lot because as i pulled in i thought <laughs> I, I thought i fucked up and i'm like oh my god are we at the wrong theater because i honestly for a second thought that maybe yeah. we went to the wrong theater. Yeah. so um so yeah so he took a picture because as and I double checked the app. I'm like, did I buy tickets for the theater in Lexington? And I showed up in the one in Lowell. You know, I actually did that once a couple of years ago. I was meeting management and I went to a theater. It was only like 15 minutes away and I made it in time. But I'm like, oh, my God, did I screw up and go to the wrong theater? Nope. Went to the right one. There's like eight cars out front. The person collecting tickets, the manager behind the manager counter, like three kids work in the snack bar and us three walking in. Um, yeah, yeah. So I told I told the boys we walked in with our mask. I'm like, yeah, I think we can take our masks off for this one. Uh, but I've always loved Ryan Reynolds. We've been waiting because the boys are gamers. We've been waiting so long to see this movie. It did not disappoint. Um, two thumbs up for 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 that. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Wait. So, what was the movie? Uh, free guy. Free guy. Free. Yep. Guy. Okay. With Ryan Reynolds. So I seen Suicide Squad. I saw Free Guy. Uh, the misses and I, with one of our guys, watched Jungle Cruise the other. Uh, the yeah, the Jungle Cruise. Um, I like the ride, dude. It, do you have a favorite? You, you're not a park guy, but if you did have I'm a not. favorite ride, would that rank near the top? Yeah, it is one of it is one of the ones that I like, you know, and for a very different reason than everything else, right? Because it's the it's that weird ride where whoever is running it actually has a, a certain level of free reign, right? So like the the guy who is essentially guiding you through will say some crazy ass stuff, and that is part of what you you know it's like it's like being on a Southwest flight, right? It's it's really that. So the ride itself is crappy, except for the fact that. They always happen to have some dude that just knows what he's doing. So it's or gal and they have a script that's uh, if you see right. it, it's about 60 to 70 percent the same, but yeah, they, right, right. they have their own spin on it. Right. They have that discretion that to do whatever the heck. And that's really why it makes it good. And I've seen I've been on some rides that were amazing. And I've seen some rides that were really good. I've never had a Jungle Cruise that wasn't awesome. And the funny yeah. thing is, it's not a popular ride. It, it's they've repurposed an old ride. First of all, kudos to them to take an out of date, antiquated ride from the 50s, not have to change the structure of it, not have to <laughs> right, build right. a new wraparound, oh, yeah. but absolutely make it hysterical. And, and the I wife... Mean, 
I was just going to yeah, say that's her, the genius her, of it. Her, 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 she loves puns and campiness. Right, and, right. And at, yep. you, you may or may not have noticed by the start of every show, I like bad jokes. Um, well, no, no, you only have bad jokes. There's, there's a difference. But. So, so when the wife and I sat down, Again, if we're watching a Transformer movie, if you're watching King Kong versus Godzilla, okay, we know we're not going in to see Citizen Kane, but let's let's just hope that this and and the only thing that we cared about is are they going to have those a those same jokes and right. be those same style of jokes? It delivered. It, it, yeah. I won't I won't say anything else, but it delivered yeah. all the jokes. Listen, yeah, I'll say one thing about the the entirety of the disney entertainment offering they they really know what they're doing right i mean what you know you can criticize their kind of the cheesiness or predictability or whatever but i mean they kind of get the idea of delivering what the people want right i mean and this one it's kind of amazing because like up until about what say maybe 95 there was a period between maybe 1978 and 1995 where disney was kind of garbage right and yeah. then, right? And then suddenly, I don't, and so maybe that's something that we, that's worth looking at, but something happened like in the mid 90s, uh, maybe even earlier than that, because, you know, Little Mermaid might have been the, you know, the trigger. I don't know, even, even know, but it started to change where suddenly, oh my God, these guys kind of know what they're doing again, kind of a thing, right? I, 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 yeah. And they found their footing. And yeah, yeah. it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm so torn with Disney and we've talked about it before. I, I put them in the same category as the NFL that I wish I knew how to quit them. Uh, awful yeah. company, treat people like shit, screw over talent. Like, you know, oh, that yeah. whole thing with Scarlett Johansson on the other hand, well, they now own Star Wars. They now own Marvel. They now these movies that I love yeah. the theme parks that I love. I wish I didn't love Disney as much, but yeah, no, no it, and, it, it and, was you know, and, and essentially Disney owning, you know, ESPN also creates a bit of a disruption also, right? right. So, yeah, yeah. And so now, um, and, 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 and the TV side of things, we finally, it took us a little bit, but we finally watched, we're caught up on Cobra Kai, the end of season three, and I had okay. hopes, I had hopes for it, and it yep. ended exactly like I had called, and there is going to be a season four. Dude, Karate Kid 2, they go, they went to Hawaii, but and the movie they went to okinawa. okinawa right yeah 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 and so what we love about the show it's it's not just the main two guys who they brought back dude they did an episode they did a, an arc they did like a two episode three episode arc where daniel has to go to okinawa yeah yeah because he lost the contract with his japanese car dealership right and he goes to okay. japan he goes to Japan. I think he went to like Tokyo. You know, he went to car company in Japan and it did it didn't go well. And he, while he was there, he was like kind of homesick for Mr. Miyagi and yeah. and, and reminiscent. So he goes back to Oshinawa, Okinawa. Yeah. And dude, they went back and they got the actors from yeah, yeah. that. And some of them were a couple actors who, you know, have gone on to have other careers, but yeah. they went and got bit actors who like this little girl who was stuck on a telephone pole that he read. They went and found that actress 35 years later. And it, we love that so much. Like the fact that they did that talk about knowing your audience. I, I guess what I would say is this, like, um, well, so I thought they got back uh, talent to meet up for that, uh, for the main, you know, the female protagonist role too, right? They brought her back. Is that correct? 
Yeah. Or, well, the the girl from the original one. Right. The original part two. Yep. 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 Like they she, got her. And dude, yeah. like yeah. the wife and I are looking at her, and we're like, oh my god, she she's gorgeous. Yeah. Doesn't look like you know she looks like she aged ten years, not like thirty five. It was fantastic. Yeah, because I actually follow her on Twitter. So I thought I saw her post about the Cobra Kai stuff, you know, kind of relatively recently. So, yeah, I, you know, it's, it is it is it, Okinawa is, a, is its own kind of weird thing about Japan, because um, like what I tell some people is that you should not consider Okinawa necessarily as Japan because they were, you know, just like Hawaii is kind of a, a different animal than the rest of the United States. Okinawa because it was its own country and it was its own empire you know there's a lot of parallels to that where so and they have their own language and culture just like Hawaii I it's it, it is kind of an outlier place so Okinawa is kind of a very uh, special place in many ways so you know but it's cool you know so we we, we, we loved it uh have you uh if you caught up on anything so so you haven't seen anything I haven't seen anything because well you know I got I started watching stupid things and I also got interrupted by uh, the IIHA, IIHF women. So we'll talk about that later a little bit, but, and then there's a few other things that I got caught up on, which I'll also talk about what we're watching in the you know streaming section, but yeah, uh, but I'm a little bit behind on a lot of things, but uh, once the IIHF is over, I do plan to, um, um, you know, go in and finish up Loki before the hockey season starts. So that's my target. Uh, I, I rewatched it and I've been watching these spoiler alerts. You might've missed type thing, dude. Uh, th- how genius their attention to tiny details are. And it's funny, like without get, talking anything about the show itself, but they'll be walking down a hallway and you'll see something in the background. It will say like, you know, building LW two, two, one. And it's like, Oh, in episode 221 of the Thor comic was the first time that this entity or this thing was mentioned, like in the 60s, you know, I mean, all that stuff. Listen, so, you know, as you know, I'm not a guy in that, you know, in that hobby, but I think the one thing that I do appreciate though, is that uh, the people who are kind of, um, kind of handing the reins of these products are at least are smart enough to know that, you know, it does really, really well when the custodians of these products are actually fans of the products, right? I mean, and I, I almost want to say that it really started for where, I don't think it started with this, but where it was the most noticeable for me was the Star Trek reboot, where I'm thinking, you know what? I mean, this guy is clearly a guy that watched the original series and loved the original series. And because there were a lot of, you know, whether it be, you know, you know, Shatner, uh, not Shatner, um, you know, a uh, Kirk, you know, kind of, you know, doing it with the, the green alien or whatever the case may be. It's like there's these little things throughout that I'm sure I haven't caught, you know, maybe, you know, 80 percent of where the, this guy gets it because, you know, he's so it's kind of almost maybe the guy who started that approach is really, you know, a guy like Quentin Tarantino, where he op- he was very overt about his homages to his influences, right? So, well, it's funny you say that because I, I didn't have it on the list, but I'll mention it real quick. So I love that John Favreau loves Star Wars so much. And what he's done with the Mandalorian is unbelievable. Like 
the, yeah. the first live action TV show. The guy who co-produces it and co-created it with him, Dave Filoni, uh, was brought in early. Like, you know, he was part of the Clone Wars before the Clone Wars started. He was, I don't think he's a creator on that, but he was like showrunner on that. He created Star Wars Rebels. They love what they're doing so much. And what yeah. I like, I love the behind the scenes stuff. And in the most recent behind the scenes of Mandalorian season two, but yep. there was an eight episode thing for season one. They've they've posted two for season yep. two. And the second one was all about Mark Hamill being the surprise, you know, right, guest right, right. Yep. and how they kept it a secret. I want to when you just said something that really made me think of this. So a couple years ago, when I was visiting you and the boys and I came out to L.A. and and, and when I saw the Millennium Falcon and my wife put it online and I I. I, I tell this story again, and I know I've told on podcast before. I was unaware of how much um, tears were streaming down the side of my face when I saw the Millennium Falcon. I mean, I was eight years old and just staring up at this thing. Never in my life did I actually think I was going to see the Falcon when we went to Disney for the first time to see it. And it's funny because I, my, I remember my wife saying to the boys, it's like, okay, give Papa a minute. And I'm like, why is she? And, and I go to talk and I can't. And I, and that's when I realized that's when I kind of came out of my phase and realized that I'm just tears are streaming down the side of my face. And we had a laugh about it. And my wife thought it was so sweet, but I was the first time I saw the Falcon when I went to Disney, you know, a few years ago, it was absolutely, I, I wasn't expecting that. And, um, and so, so I'm watching, so back to it in three, two, so I'm watching and they're talking and, and Favreau is telling his side of the story and Filoni is telling his side of the story about how they had this whole deception in the script that they were saying it was another Jedi named Plo Kloon. Okay. who's Dave Filoni's favorite Jedi. And they decided, oh, we're going to put him in the script that he's the guy who's going to come and get Grego because fans of his, you know, Star Wars fans know everything about the creator. Yeah, Grego, just so for the most of us aren't paying attention, that's, that is, would be that's Baby Yoda. Yoda. Okay. Yeah. And so, so, and that way, in case the script gets out or leaks, people will be like, oh, right, of yeah. course, that's Dave Filoni's favorite Jedi. Of course, it's going to every like there was people who even that day on set had no idea that Mark Hamill was showing up. So when they were talking about in the planning stage, that's when Dave Filoni says to John Favreau, you know, if we are going with Luke, that gives us a reason to introduce R2D2. And John Favreau was like, fuck what? Cause yeah, they're a team. <laughs> and it's like, that was always John Favreau's favorite character was R2D2. So I'm watching John Favreau talk. He goes, he wrote the script. You know, he, he planned it. He was with the director every day planning it. The first time during rehearsals, when the elevator door opens and out comes Luke Skywalker and behind him, the remote R2D2, John Favreau says, it was about 30 seconds later that I'm just standing there and realize I have tears just streaming down the side of my face. So what you, what you said, and it's funny because John Favreau says just what you said, the people who are taking care of this, they understand how important these things are to people like me. My sons love it who are 11 and 14. My wife loves it. You know, I love it. A guy in his mid fifties and how, not just how much we love it, but 
how important it is to us. And the fact that you see how important it is to him, dude, that made me feel really like, yeah. like I am, I, you know, I, I'd rather somebody smarter working on the show like him than me doing it. But yeah, when I saw him right. talking about yeah. when he teared up, like didn't get emotional, but actually had Niagara Falls falling from his face. And I'm like, I literally loved that he shared that story. So when you said these guys and, and women who are taking over these projects, who understand that they're not just making a movie, but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I th and I think the, you know, it, it is one of those things where um, it, it's that the, the, you know, the episodes, you know, um, uh, the most recent three episodes, right? Seven, eight, nines, right? Is right. that what that is? Yeah, right. Yep. Those, I think I, I understand the criticism of these longtime fans have about that because they had their own uh, expectation of what, those movies should be but i'm kind of a casual guy when it comes to star wars I, you know i i also grew up in the star wars area and i also 100 percent understand the context of star wars being this you know it, it there is like a difference between you know be you know living in the pre-star wars days and the post-star the, there was this thing that changed because nothing like that existed and suddenly oh my god it's there and so you know, obviously you and I were lucky enough to be, to be, have been able to experience that, whether it be Star Wars, maybe Jurassic Park is similar, you know, whatever the case may be. But I, I think that no matter what you criticize about what the direction they try to take it, I really, really appreciated the, you know, the amount of uh, fandom that they brought to creating those three episodes. And, you know, and, and also, like I said, it also holds true for the Star, Star Trek reboots, right? It's like, oh my God, these guys freaking get it, right? No, I I, no, I, I think that's I important. Um, so so changing gears into the the unfun side of life these days, uh, oh. Afghanistan has been the clusterfuck that we all knew it was going <sighs> to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, it's like one of those deals where, and I I have no idea. You know, I'm not really studied enough and smart enough to figure out what's what, but. Like ultimately, it, it, at the end of it, it looks like a bad a divorce that's kind of handled poorly. Where you know one of the partners say, "Hey, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm moving out on this day, and then I'm gonna go, you know, go with my new, you know, partner over here and have a nice day, right?" And at the meantime, the guy knows full well that the the spouse that he's leaving has a stalker, you know, you know, you know, ex partner. That might be, you know, essentially going to move in and essentially, you know, create this, you know, hostile situation, not just for the your ex-spouse, but for the kids that you decide that you're going to leave yeah. behind. Right. So, you know, I don't think I, I will say one thing. Right. I think it's generally, um, you know, I agree with the idea that the U.S. needs to be out of that business. Right. But it's one of those situations where was the ex you know execution of the exit perfect uh definitely not but then you know how much better would it have been you know so there's a lot of that stuff that i don't know that i can speak to right but yeah it just you know all i all i can say is that i hope that you know the people who helped us the last 20 years that are now because by virtue of helping us are now you know targets of the taliban I hope we could get them out and definitely anybody, you know, who is on, you know, 
who don't want to be there, who are not, you know, you know, Afghanistan nationals that, you know, are in there for a variety of circumstances. I we I hope that we can get them all out, right? So, but you no, know, that's the that's one. the thing. It's like no matter when we left, it was going to be an awful clusterfuck. Yeah, that that's clearly that's clearly the case. Right? If, yeah. And after twenty years, if their government and their military wasn't ready to stand on their own feet, what was staying another six months? What was staying another year going to do? Right. What yeah, were? I, uh, yeah. So I. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think that aspect of it is, is that aspect. I think the only aspect that I wish um, things were coordinated better was that there was a period. I, I don't, and like I said, I'm not smart enough to know what the circumstances are, but I wish there was a period where they could establish that, hey, all of you who want to get out of Afghanistan that are not natives of Af- Afghanistan that need to get out, we're going to be getting out at this point you know, come to us now so that we could get you out now or within a, a certain timeline to ensure your safe passage out. Right. No, I, I, the, right. It, that, that's the only, that's the only thing, right. That's Aside the biggest that, thing else, for me. Yeah. Right. The yeah. biggest thing for me too, is like all the people who helped us, we knew they were dead people walking as soon as we were gone. And, and whether if we started to get the people out six months ago, it would have triggered the Taliban to, hey, they're evacuating these people. And then the Taliban starts their shit up again. And then now we're stuck because it's like, oh, well, now we have to stay and fight again, you know, versus but I, that. You know what? But, but I think I think that I would have been fine with that, right? Because that's reacting to a change in circumstance, right? It's, it, it's you know, we've, you know, you make the case that, you know what, we are going through our our formal you know proper withdrawal and part of the withdrawal is that we're going to get the people out that need to get out right so that's just part of the withdrawal plan so if the withdrawal plan you know gets a hitch because the other side is not behaving the way we expect them to i would have been 100 okay with them saying you know what you know don't mess with us you know we're stepping in right now to intervene with your you know you know your you know, blocking our process. Right. So I would have been fine with that. No, but that I, I think that's, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I blame Biden for this not being smooth. The last guy, Obama, Bush, honestly, this has been a 20 year debacle. And, and the fact that, you know, I'm not going to go down in the wormhole, but you know, we didn't learn from the mistakes that Russia made trying to occupy it. And Russia didn't yeah. learn from the mistakes that the French made before them. I mean, this is a place because of the region, because of the landscape. And again, you can't change, you know, fanaticism and whatever. And it's sad that for the last 20 years, women have been able to get jobs and go to school. And it, it's very heartbreaking, but at the end of the day, we can't, we can't run every other country. We, you know, we can barely run ours. And I hate the politicizing. It's the same people who a year ago at this time were applauding the last guy for announcing he was moving out. And the last guy who made a three-month ceasefire in exchange for releasing 500 of their, the, you know, the Taliban's most hardened soldiers, one of which is now leading that country. It, it's just a cluster. But I saw that you put on here uh, WCK. The, the world, the yeah, world, the so, world central kitchen, what world was that? central kitchen. So I put that in because I, I just wanted to, you know, you know, you know, one of the things is that, you know, we have a lot of awfulness going on, but uh, what world's uh, center kitchen, uh, central kitchen is a charity that I've been giving to for a, a little while now. And the only we- reason I know about it is because it's run by one of these celebrity chefs uh, who happens to be this Spanish guy. Um, 
you know, I so I went to his one of his restaurants in DC back way back when when I had a project project there. Uh, and I don't know if he has places, you know, I imagine he, I'm sure he has place, you know, restaurants all over the place, right? Because that's what celebrity chefs do. But this guy has this thing where he goes into these disaster areas with a crew that essentially knows how to just get people fed, right? And so uh, he, it was a huge organization uh, when Maria hit Puerto Rico. And certainly they've been really active in, in the Southeast when we had our recent hurricanes. And now they're in places like Haiti. And now they're also doing Afghanistan and where one of the things that they're doing. Uh, and because I, I know that they're, they're, they have uh, I, several restaurants in the DC area. Now they're providing uh, food for incoming Afghan refugees uh, as they arrive at Dulles International. And the great thing about that, it, or the thing that's kind of, uh, really made me uh, think about this particular one was that they talked about how they fed families of, you know, Afghans who hadn't eaten in like 30 hours because they, you know, they got their green light to essentially leave the country, but they were essentially stuck in a hangar, you know, whether it be, maybe they were in Afghanistan, maybe they were in like another, let's say Qatar or something like that. Right. But, you know, it's a long trans, oh, obviously, you know, it's a long transport from that area back to the U.S. And then it's also a secondary thing of first you have to get them out of Afghanistan and then they have to kind of get them out of wherever they end up, you know, you know, sending them. So they're literally you know, feeding Afghans fam Afghan families coming into the D.C. area. So that's the most recent thing. But I, I just you know, wanted to kind of mention, you know, for, you know, it's a it's a great organization helping the people who are in the, you know, in the most, you know, need, and this is not, you know, this just has, it has nothing to do with, you know, politics or anything. They're just looking at, oh my God, horrible things are happening here. We're going to go there and try to feed them. I mean, that's their thing. So no, I, you that's know, I, great. That's great. Good. I, I, yeah, yeah cause I, yeah. I saw that on the rundown and I was going to look that up and I will look it up more after. Um, no, that's fantastic. There are good people out there who don't care about the politics and bullshit. Here's hungry people who need to get fed. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, I don't I don't know how bad of an idea this was, but uh, about two weeks ago now, I think I got a spam email or something from uh, Donnie Three Scoops, you know, office, uh, you know, one of those looking for donations. And I signed up for his mailing list. Dude, I get two or three emails a day from that guy's, you know, from the desk of the four, the 45th president type thing, dude, every email is just a grifting and we all know it. But when I, when you, when I sit there and I get these emails, I'm like, Whoa, oh Whoa, Whoa, God. wait, wait, you know, you're just so categorical. Like you're really saying that we all know it. Do we, do we really all know it? That's a sad thing. And it's so blatant. And, and, and but just each and every one, of, but it, just from him, and I, I'm, I know his son has an email list and all these people, but two or three emails a day asking for money. It's just so insane that that there's still enough people out there who haven't seen this for what it is that politics and all this stuff you're, doesn't you're, you're give kidding. a fuck. You're it's kidding, right? Just you're, you're about kidding, right? Money. I mean, like. Yeah, like all these all these televangelists, right? That yeah, tell yeah. You to, 
that put your freaking hand on the TV so that you could be healed of the evils that are ailing you, right? I mean, how long has this been going? I mean, obviously, it's been going on my entire life, and they're still making money off of it. So, yeah, come on. I mean, they are what they are, and, you know, they're the same as those guys that are putting their hands up on the TV screen and saying that, you know, you know, and they're declaring that they're healing you and then, you know, give us your credit card number and, you know, we'll charge you a monthly fee and yeah, whatever. Yeah, it, sure. it is sad. Uh, so, yeah, so it's it's been a bad idea, but I, I do. Listen, I, it is a free country. If you want to spend your money on that stuff, you know, God I mean, bless there are you. people who spend money on astrology readings and whatever. I mean, you know, that if that's what you want to do. It's a free country. So so what's the COVID update this, these days in Japan and Los Angeles and elsewhere? Los Angeles is, you know, so Los Angeles is actually not horrible. And from the standpoint of, uh, I think, and I think the, probably the person we should have probably asked is Renette, but uh, from all indications, we don't have the uh, hospital overruns that's being seen in other parts of the country. Um, we are back to, you know, for a little period, a, a brief period, we had this uh, thing where if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask at a supermarket. And now they're saying everybody wear masks. And like, it's like, it's one of those deals where, yeah, I don't care. I mean, I don't have problems with masks. I don't care. Uh, Japan is an interesting one. So the thing with Japan is that they had an awesome start, but the, I think by and large, the government failed the management of it. So the people kind of kept it from being an absolute catastrophe because and part of it is because culturally, right, they kind of benefited from the fact that, hey, they freaking wear masks all the time anyway. Oh, you're telling us to wear masks? Yeah, whatever. We do that all the time. It wasn't a big deal. But I think we're at the point now where just to give you an idea of um, I, I was in that not the very last group to qualify, but I was the, you know, the not super young guy to qualify group. Right. So I got my. Uh, first vaccine. Well, I got a single dose John- Johnson Johnson. So I got mine in April, right? Uh, Japan right now is starting with the people who are like, say, under 30 years old. So we're talking, you know, we're talking about almost a five month delay between US and Japan in terms of when they're delivering uh, the vaccine. So in that sense, they're kind of where we were like at the beginning of the year where, and hey, they just had the Olympics. I don't know if you know it, but probably a kind of a super spreader event, maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't as bad as, bad as it could have been, but you know, it was what it was. So, but, so there, and they do have a lot of stuff open. So it's kind of, I think Japan is where we were at maybe in February and we'll see how they go in terms of uh, one thing that they do have. So they have, um, populate a population that is eager to get vaccinated. So they have that going for them. What they don't have going for them is the the ability for a place like the U.S. to create these these sites where a large number of people can be vaccinated in a short amount of time. They don't have that. So I think it's going to be a little bit more of a struggle there. So we'll see. It's a, um, in here, Massachusetts. They they just they just announced it. The boys go back to school on Tuesday that masks are going to be mandatory in school uh, for yeah. the month for, for, you know, most colleges have already said, yeah, you got you. Ha- um, you have to be fully vaccinated and proof of vaccination in uh, and- the schools here. Uh, um, they're going to be fully masks at least till October. And then they're going to reassess, which, look, I- I'm quite sure October is going to roll around. They're going to be like, 
we're going to keep them on through November. You know what I mean? Because there's going to be, there's just going to be outbreaks and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. And just, just the other day uh, when we went to John Mulaney a week ago, Friday, you didn't have to wear a mask, but my, you know, the wife and I and our friend did, and I'm going to say about 15, 20% of the crowd did uh, by a week later, when she went back uh, this past Friday, you did have to have masks. Yeah. So, so okay. indoor, indoor masks and stuff like yeah. that. And, and look, I didn't mind. It was not, it was not the end of the world. It was two hours of sitting there with it. You know, we don't drink. So we weren't taking the masks off and on and stuff like that. It was fine. I have a friend who lives in Taiwan and they had for a year, they were pretty much COVID free. They were really great. Then they had a bad outbreak and the government turned around and said, you know what? F this. We're going back to the restrictions we had. And I was just reading an article that I sent him and I, you know, we talked the other day on Zoom and he's like, yeah, they they relax things. It got out of hand. You know, they let start letting tourists come and all this stuff. And then they're like, yeah, we got to go back to quarantining when you get here. This and they had like a whole week with no new you know, reported cases. So, OK, so I, I think the deal with it with you know, Taiwan really is, is that, you know, and they're doing a. I think there's like maybe half a dozen ish countries where the people are probably pretty happy with what the government has done to curtail this, right? Like Taiwan is one of them. I think like maybe South Korea, New Zealand, Australia, you know, whatever the you know the number is, right? A, a small number, where I think the government's done a good job of essentially locking this down. And Taiwan, definitely, you know, but they have two things kind of going for them that that is not the same as the U.S., right? Number one is that they are a small island country, so they have an easier time controlling the incoming traffic, right? And when I say, and I'm, I'm not talking about, oh, my God, there are illegals coming over the border. That's not the thing. The bottom line is, is that the U.S. has how many international airports that are operating internationally, right? And that's that's the thing, right? Now, Taiwan, I'm, I'm, I don't know if they have another airport aside from Taipei where, you know, international flights are coming in. So, Managing that external incoming traffic is a different animal than, you know, just think of all of the major cities in this country, anything that's like, I mean, even Chicago is an international airport, right? So just think of all the international airport in this country, managing all those incoming people and managing, you know, Taiwan's one international airport is one animal. And then the second thing is, is that the people are generally on the same understanding of what this thing is. They don't have the debates that we have in this country, or at least not to the extent that we have in this country. So they have a kind of a uniformity in, in belief. So I think that's where they are able to say, you know what, we are, we all believe we need to do this. We all believe that this is the problem. And we all believe that this will, you know, take care of the issue. We just have to kind of do this for this period of time. And there's no real debate there. So, yeah so that's so it's it's still here hasn't gone away um hey what's, really? hap what's really? happening what's happening it with hasn't the recall? gone away what the what what's We've happening been doing with it for two years yeah dude that's a fucked up thing when i when i sent you guys the update the other day about my my meager progress on my program I, no, i'm actually doing fine on my program i'm actually very happy but i got a long way to go so it's one of those things where uh but when i'm like yeah i'm so, this you know, is I'm my not gonna, goal i'm not gonna do 
try anything. I'm not gonna try to do anything to improve myself for Phoenix. This is gonna go the way I am. But I'm like, yeah, but I you but you play on a regular basis, so I I, I don't I don't have no. that. I, uh, anyways, anyways, but when I when I start saying yeah, I'm for Phoenix, I'm thinking, oh my god, is there any way this is still going to be bothering us since you know, like what nine months from now? But nobody thought that this was gonna be a two year thing. You know, nobody thought that this year, you know, it's like we're two months out, but it's like, who knows if they're going to have Halloween this year here? Anyways, that's depressing. Um, how is the re what's happening with the recall in California? What what are you hearing? I, you know, I, I don't know, because like, I, I think it's one of those. As far as I can tell, it just seems like it's unpredictable what's going to happen, because there, on the one hand, I think there's a certain level of it's a combination of apathy among the people who want to keep Newsom in his, you know, office against the really motivated people who want Newsom out. Right. So I think there is a, a stark, you know, it, it has the kind of the um, compounding effect where, yeah. So if pe enough people are apathetic to, you know, to uh, not bother with this recall, at the same time, if there's enough people who are really want the recall and want to replace him, then I think there's going to be some craziness that happens. So, yeah, I mean, I have no idea what to think. I really don't. So you, you got two voters in your house. Have you gotten your um, your forms yet? We've gotten our forms, but I'm trying to get them to, you know, just please just look, you know, if you decide to disagree with me, fine. But just please just send in a vote. I don't care if you don't agree with me, but please send in a vote, you know, just so that, you know, you're, you know, contributing to the process. So we'll see. Um, so yeah, I, and all I can do is look on and say, Hey, please, please do the right thing. Okay. Biff, you had a couple, uh, crime clips from Japan this week that looked yeah. interesting, but I couldn't tell what was going on. Of with course either one. So the first one, which had this really poorly done, you know, um, they basically photoshopped the dude's head onto a cartoon body, right? Well, it was hysterical. Right. Hysterical. So this one was this one was like freaking amazing. So I, I'm gonna kind of set it up and I want you to kind of think about what you expect to happen based on the circumstance. Okay. So this this 70-ish lady receives a call essentially indicating that there is some issues with her um, receiving her uh, her uh, her national benefits, like kind of like social security benefits. And so she needs to ch uh, check in with a bank to make sure that her bank card and her bank account is up to date to the most modern version so that she could keep, keep continuing to get her checks, right? So this lady being kind of smart says that, you know, you know what? I'm going to call the bank just to make sure. So she calls the bank but she doesn't reach the bank. So she leaves a message on their answering machine. You know, in the meantime, this guy who says that he'll update her to the new, newest stuff, he just needs, you know, her old card and her, you know, access information has a, she, he, this dude has arranged to make, uh, to meet her uh, to essentially do the exchange. Right. And so that thinking, Oh my God, this lady wasn't patient enough to wait for the bank guy, blah, blah, blah. So, what do you think? So she goes off to see this guy that she, you know, that this 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 scam artist that is essentially going to uh, uh, have arranged to receive her old no good, you know, bank card, right? And she's about to uh, meet him to uh, exchange that to him. What do you? What would you expect to happen next? 
that the old lady would have been taken advantage of the guy because right, she's right, 70. Right. That's, and, that's, yeah, that's the classic thing, right? And that the guy shows up and takes her card. Oh, I left your new card at the office. I'll be right back. Yeah. Wait here. Yeah. Whatever, right? It turns out that like the bank people got the message, tried to call her back. She didn't answer. So they went out looking for her and found her during the exchange. So that's the little goofy cartoon that you saw where the bank people said, hey, that guy doesn't work for our bank. <laughs> and basically intercepted him from essentially stealing her card. Yeah, because because it, it was such a I don't even know what to call that kind of animation that, that they it, use. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. It, but it, but yeah, it, like then they had and it and, you know, because it's a project for an intern. Right. But right. dude, the photoshopping his head on, on like the little yeah, it's like goofy right cartoon bodies of oh. like four people, except one of the people is the dude. So the dude's face is like doing this little you know, tilting thing, right? Tilting animation effects. Yeah, it's awesome. It's Dude, so it was so. And now what the other one, you said it was kind of more serious. About yeah, the so, yeah. So this is so what uh, just, you know, just a quick synopsis in the uh, <clears throat> in the Kyushu area, which is kind of in the north, uh, the southern part of Japan, southwestern part of Japan. There is a notorious uh, uh, organization. And what's interesting about this, well, whatever the the thing with yakuza is is that there is a certain code that people expect out of the these uh organizations which is that they they will hustle money from you know regular citizens right that's what they do right they do these illegal things against citizens right but what they don't do is that they don't condone violence against regular citizens right uh Violence within the Yakuza world is supposed to be strictly Yakuza to Yakuza. So it's kind of this weird thing where I've seen like U.S. politicians talk about, well, you know, if the gangs are killing each other, you, we should let them. It's like that's kind of the way Japan is. Right. They say, oh, yeah, if the gangs are going to kill each other. Yeah. You know, they're going to that's what they're going to do. Right. But so this particular one is one that has been controversial. You know, what am I saying? Yakuza is controversial, whatever. But it's controversial in that they are are more more willing to engage regular citizens in their you know violent acts. So what happened was that the this yakuza's uh, top guy and his right hand guy was on trial for several instances of a combination of murder and assault, and the top guy got uh, a, a capital sentence, so he's going to be executed. And then the number, the right-hand man got life without parole, right? And so the, there's a couple of one, you know, a couple of things. So there's the whole idea of the Japanese are kind of, you know, allowing yakuza to essentially mess with other yakuza people as long as they're not involving uh, regular people in as victims of violence. So there's this kind of this understood idea that law enforcement and the judicial system is gonna kind of let that stuff slide. But these dudes, they mess with regular citizens and they're going to pay for it. So there's that whole idea. And then the secondary thing is, a, is that the, the number one guy at the end of the uh, sentencing declares that, you know, I, I asked for a fair trial. I asked for whatever. And this is, you know, not, there's nothing about this that's fair. This is just a strict judgment, you know, you know, you know. And if I were you, you, you know, I would say that you would regret the, this, this decision that you made, you know, kind of stuff. And then the guy who is second in command goes, you know, well, you know what? 
I was, this is absolute garbage. You should consider yourself lucky that you're being transferred out of Kyushu and off to Tokyo. So like I, you know, immediately, we, you know, most of us thought these dudes are literally threatening the judge after their sentencing. Right. And I'm thinking, I mean, does that happen? Is that what happens in mafia trials in this country? I'm not sure, but I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's, that's some crazy shit. Well, so the car at one point, the car pulls in and there's dozens and dozens of Japanese businessmen all in like black suits. Well, they're like, yeah. brown. who are those people as, as that guy pulled in? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's the organization, right? So there's the, the people who are there to kind of support the organization. So they, they are the, whatever. I don't know the details of who they are, but they're with that organization, right? They're just there as essentially, they're obliged to support, you know, these appearances kind of a thing, right? And it, 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 there was dozens and dozens. And oh, then yeah, the guys yeah, get yeah. out of the car. Yeah. And of course, the mafiosa, you know, like white track suits, you know, everybody yeah, else yeah. is in these business suits. He's, and then he's, got, that, he's got that classic, right? He looks like, a, you know, if, you think oh. that, that that that's a dude that lives in Florida with a gold chain, right? That's what he looks like. Right? 100%. No, yeah. those, 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 those were interesting yeah. clips. Crazy uh, stuff. So so moving on to sports, I'll, I'll give the quick update. Uh, I'm still moving ahead, trying to acquire the single A collegiate baseball team. The Pittsfield Suns yeah, uh, yeah. had a great talk with the owner, the current yeah. owner uh, this past week. And it's one of those things. They own a bunch of double A teams and a couple triple A teams, and they just right. don't have the time for this. Yeah, uh, it's too small potatoes for them, but he really feels connected to the team, which, you know, he he worked for them like in high school and stuff like that. And it is, it, you know, he feels like a special thing, you know, birthplace of baseball and all that. So that that's my only sports update. But uh, but you got a lot going on, like between well, I, got two. Hockey. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously, obviously we're in August now in the height of hockey season. So uh, but because of the. Uh, some of the garbage decisions made by the IIHF and all this other stuff. The women's international tournament that we should have occurred a few months ago is occurring right now in Calgary. And so uh, this past Thursday, I think it was Thursday, uh, I watched, I witnessed a shocking loss by the Americans to the Canadian team uh, five to one. And it was, I, so one, you know, the context of it is, is that we expect Canada and U S to be always be, uh, playing for the gold medal kind of a thing. And this is only prelims. They're not playing for the championship. It's fine. But um, there was a lot of expectation about the U.S. continuing their dominance. They had won like 12 straight of these international plus Olympic tournaments uh, versus Canada. So it's, it's just been a, a, you know, a massive streak. And, and to top it all off, during the prelims in an earlier game, um, Canada's best player, a woman named Marie-Philippe Poulin, was injured. So she wasn't, their best player wasn't even in this game. And then Canada basically got up 5 nothing, you know, after the second period. And U.S. managed the one goal, but, I mean, you know, that's what it was. Um, but it was kind of a shocking loss. So we'll see, you know, hopefully uh, they recover. So I have this weird allegiance when it comes to international hockey where when I talk about the men's international team i root for the canadians but when it comes to the women's i root for the americans which is um and i won't go into there is a very valid well not valid it, i have a justification for it but that's kind of we you know where that is but uh you know u.s has you know arguably the better offensive punch but 
uh, one of the things that I do question is that I've never been a huge fan of their starting goalie. Um, uh, and so, um, uh, and it's a woman named Alex Cavallini. And I thought that they, I was shocked that they didn't give uh, a, a player named Aaron Frankel a try because Aaron Frankel was the best collegiate goalie this past year. She won the Patty Kazmaier Award, which is the, the, you know, the Women's Hobie Baker Award. And I thought, you know, I thought this was a time to kind of switch over, but so we'll see if, you know, and I'm really curious to see if the Americans do change their goaltending, even, you know, for the long run, we'll see what happens. But so I think that's one thing that I have. So, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. We have another week of it. So. And Lundquist retired last week. Lundquist. Yeah. It's, and it's really unfortunate. You know, I've never been a huge Lundquist fan, but you know, obviously to a, to some degree, I think in general, I mean, hockey play, uh, hockey fans, root for those longtime guys who've never won the cup, right? So in our age, maybe it's something like, say, Dale Harichuk or, you know, well, you know whoever it may be, right? But, um, you know, there's all these, you know, great guys that have never won the cup. And Lundqvist was, you know, from, say, 2008 to 2020, if you look at the entire period of time, Lundqvist was probably the best goalie in that time period. So, to some degree, he's one of those guys that have earned that right for the fans to want to hand the cup over to them, right? We've seen a lot of that, whether it be Ray Bork or Dave Andrachuk right, right. or Rod Brindamore, those guys that who have told for years and years and in whatever circumstances. Uh, Lanny McDonald's a classic one, right? Right. Uh, at the end of their careers, they get to hoist the cup. Now you want you wanted that for a guy like Lundquist. So, you know, that's unfortunate, but and it was a weird thing where he had some kind of a coronary condition that I guess it's just at a point where he can't really recover from that. So it's really too bad. But I think that, you know, in this area, you know, a surefire Hall of Famer, probably a first ballot Hall of Famer and, you know, probably the best goalie of that particular, say, a dozen year stretch. Uh Neither one of us, I don't think, have any video game things this week. So, Heck no. So, what what are you doing streaming wise? I, you know, I, I watched a few things of. So, there was a guy named Sean Locke, and you might know him because you know you're a comedy guy, but I did not know who this guy was. But it's one of those deals where things kind of fit, you know, uh, came up on my feeds, and this uh, British uh, comic Sean Locke, what you know, all this, you know, people are kind of paying tributes to him. So I said, oh, well, you know. I should see if I even know this guy and I kind of recognize him, but he, you know, he was a regular on this show called eight out of 10 cats. And I don't know if you know anything about this show or, you know, Sean Locke, but I will just say this. I don't think, I think it would be best if I just don't give anything away, but please look up eight of eight out of 10 cats and please look up Sean Locke. And then please look up carrot in the box because, Oh my God, I it's, it, it, it is just a, kind of a different, it is one of those things where you see a guy that does something that is, you know, it, it's, you just don't see elsewhere. Right. So um, I'm sorry that I didn't know who this guy was until he died this about like, eight days ago or whatever it was, but yeah. So that's what I've been watching. I will. I, I, we are finally caught up on Ted Lasso. Gosh, I love that show. And we finished season one of Kevin can go fuck himself. Uh, it's been renewed for season two. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the creator, upon getting um, the green light for season two, said, you know, he's so delighted to be stuck in Worcester for another year with. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll be honest with you. I tried to watch it and like I didn't really enjoy it. And I think that 
I think it's the same problem that I had with um, Seinfeld, um, where I think that there is a lot of this regionalized stuff that, you know, I, and it's one of those things where I'm in the worst, maybe the worst place possible where I said, yeah, I get where you're going with it, but I don't care. <laughs> and I think that's where I think, um, and it was kind of cool because obviously, you know, you know that I spent a little bit of time in Worcester. So I know a little bit about the geography there, but it is one of those things where uh, I 100% get why this is something that is probably great. And I 100% get why I I don't really enjoy it in the same way that I didn't really enjoy Seinfeld that much. No, I, I get that. I just, the stylistic thing of like yeah. the, the, the way it goes from a cheesy middle America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the premise is really, yeah, the premise is awesome, dark, right? yeah, yeah. dark thing. Yeah. Uh, you got any parenting tips this week? Uh, you know, I'll only, the only thing I'll say is, is that, you know, my son is in his first formal first job hunt. So, you know, when they're, when your kid is trying to make their own money, my parenting tip is do whatever the heck you need to, to get them in a new job, you know? So uh, what a time to be looking for a job. Uh, my parenting tip, it's the last week of s- summer vacation. And I basically given the boys, um, you guys don't have to do shit this week. If, if you guys don't want they, they, I mean, you know, cause we prepaid for a limited Xbox. Yeah. No. I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Just enjoy, you know, and yeah. some, you know, and, and I'm just tearing a page from risky business. Sometimes you just have to say, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, and, and I'm just letting them, you know, with it within reins. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, but if they want extra snacks, they want to stay up late and do this. It's like, yeah, because come Sunday, you know, class doesn't start till Tuesday. But I'm like, yeah, we're going to get in the habit a couple of days before because, you know, they I, I have the option. The bus is like five houses away, but the school's only 10 minutes away. And I really don't mind driving them back and forth. But either way, we're going to have to leave the house at like 745 to make the bus or like 815 to, um, you know, if, if I'm going to drive them. But it's still it's going to take a couple of days to get ready. So honestly, my, my parenting tips is just sometimes let them be, you know, 11 and, and 13 and enjoy the last hurrahs of the summer 100%. vacation. Yeah, hundred percent true. Yeah. Yep. Well, Biff, I'm looking forward to recording our singers and guitar players episode. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of crossovers, right? We're going to have such a similar list. We don't even have to argue about. It. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm hundred percent sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I think we're just going with all the past, present, and future guitarists from baby metal are going to be on your list, and I'm just going to. It's agree. not. <laughs> Have you noticed that I've I've had a very surprisingly yeah su- su- surprising yeah. um okay this was great and uh yeah. I'll talk to you next week and don't forget
got a clue Making money off mine